And let us pray. Lord, in the speaking and hearing of your word, grant us the grace to respond to your truth and your call. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the heart of today's message is a call to follow, a call to continue to follow Jesus and the guidelines that he gave his disciples in the first century, but also guidelines that he has given to us today, his disciples. Following guidelines is something that we're very familiar with, isn't it? In the fight against COVID-19, we have been following guidelines faithfully for the past 18 months or so. The other day, I saw a fine example, a beautiful example of what it looks like to follow faithfully. As I waited patiently for my train on Clapham Junction to come to work, I could see from a distance two lights and just the front carriage of a train approaching. But as the train came closer, going around the bend, I counted over 10 carriages all linked together faithfully following the front carriage of the train. For me, the imagery of the connected carriages following in the direction of the front carriage created a perfect picture of what it is like for us to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. In today's gospel passage, Jesus offers us important guidelines to help us to follow him faithfully and to live victorious Christian lives in this very busy and distracting world. These set of guidelines came after the healing of a blind man, as Chickers read for us this morning. After the healing of a blind man that was brought to him in a town called Bethsaida, Jesus touched his eyes and asked him, what do you see? The blind man looked up, he looked around, and he said to Jesus, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Well, definitely those people are not Methodists because we don't look like trees working around. But here we see that even though Jesus has touched this man's eyes, his vision was still bled. He couldn't still see properly. So Jesus touched him again. And this time he saw everything clearly. And this morning I pray that Jesus will touch us again one more time because he's a God of a second touch. And in that touch, may we see clearly and see everything. Like the blind man in this story, the disciples and the crowds had a blurred vision of who Jesus was. They just couldn't work out exactly who he was. Even though he had been with them for over two years and touched them with his divine presence and unconditional love, they still could not figure out exactly who he was. 2,020 years and 221 years now on, like them, some of us are still, still trying to figure out exactly who Jesus is. Our vision of him is often not clear. We're not sure if we can say he is God. We're not sure if we can just say, well, he is just a prophet or just a good man. We're not alone. The crowds and the disciples who were physically with Jesus were in a similar position. But as skeptical as they were about who Jesus was, they continued to follow him. So wherever you are in your faith this morning, you may not have got to that point where you see him as Lord, but keep following. He is a God of a second touch, and I pray he will touch us one more time. 
But as they journeyed on, Jesus could sense the skepticism and the doubts among the group. And so after traveling about 35 miles north of Bethsaida, they came to a beautiful city called Caesarea Philippi. It was here that Jesus held a very important meeting for the 12 disciples and the people who were around him. It was a meeting to clarify their misunderstanding of who he was. In this meeting, Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? This first question threw lights on the level of their listening skill. Who do people say? Who did the crowds, who did the community say that I am? Their responses to this first question were great. It showed that the disciples have been listening. They've been listening to the crowds. They've been listening to the people. They've been listening to the community. As disciplined followers of Christ, we are called to listen, not to be do the talking all the time or preaching all the time or appear as the people who have got all the answers to the question of the world. But we are called to listen because it is when we listen and we understand, then we can respond and offer appropriate good news. By listening, we get to know where people are in their personal journeys of faith. And this will give us the best chance to offer appropriate good news. We're called to listen to one another. Perhaps at times it's just the listening ears that somebody wants. Are we ready and are we able to give that listening ear? But also we are called to listen to God. To listen to God through the word that he has given unto us. We learn, we grow, we develop when we listen. The American journalist Larry King once said, I remind myself every morning that nothing I say today will teach me anything new. So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. By listening to the crowds, the disciples were able to report back to Jesus on the different opinions the people held about Jesus. Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah. Others say Jeremiah. Others just say you are just a prophet or just a good man. You see, even though Jesus gave the people many, many clues that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, Yet they didn't get the message. Like the blind man in that reading read for us this morning, that Jesus touched in our gospel reading, the people had a blurred vision of who Jesus was. Unfortunately, the same is true for some of us today. Out there, there are hundreds of opinions. Our challenge as disciplined followers is to listen, to listen to those opinions and help people to understand that Jesus is far more than just a prophet. He is far more than just a good man. Who do people say that I am was his first question. His second question to them was, who do you now say that I am? This was a harder question, much harder than the first one. To get it wrong after almost three and a half years of intensive training in the school of Jesus would have been embarrassing for the disciples. So I can understand the hesitation among the group who is going to take the risk to answer this question for us. But with help from above. Don't we all need help from above now and again? When we are stuck, when we are looking for a sense of direction, when we need help. The psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. With help from above, Peter made uh, one of the greatest confession in, in, uh, in his answer. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter's confession was bold and uncompromising. And that's what our confession 
should be as well. Bold and uncompromising that Jesus is Lord. Albeit Peter did not fully, fully understand the meaning of his own confession. You are the Messiah. Peter recognized Jesus as the Messiah, but when Jesus began to talk about the mission of the Messiah, how the Messiah will be rejected, how the Messiah will suffer and die, Peter protested this plan, and he began to rebuke Jesus. His expectation of the Messiah was to liberate them from foreign governance, to set up an earthly messianic kingdom in which him and his friends will have some big roles to play. He missed the point completely. His mind was set on the things of this world. Again, what an example of blared vision. Slow to understand and to accept God's plan. But as the physical eyes of the blind man were opened gradually and his first glimpse of the world were distorted, so the spiritual eyes of Peter will open gradually and ours too when we stay connected to Jesus and continue to listen to him. Peter had his own expectation of the Messiah. The crowds had their own perception of Jesus, but they all fell short of who Jesus was and his mission on earth. The responses to these two questions set the stage perfectly for Jesus to offer some important guidelines to those disciples and to the crowds who, like us, we don't always understand who Jesus is and his mission. Like Peter, we confess Jesus. It's easy to confess Jesus, you are Lord. We sing about it all the time. But if we are to be honest with ourselves this morning, at times we struggle to journey with him down the path of suffering. We struggle to journey with him down the path of the cross. And so this morning to help us, Jesus offers us these important guidelines in verse 34 of Mark chapter 8. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up the cross and follow me. It sounds like the set of guidelines we heard in March 2020. Stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Here we have deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. If we are to be disciplined followers of Christ, our guideline this morning is to deny ourselves. Denying self is to surrender ourselves completely to him to crucify the old self so that a new born-again version of us will emerge. If anyone is in Christ, Paul said, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We deny ourselves by subjecting our fleshly desires under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. If we are to live victorious lives of a disciplined follower of Christ, we must learn to deny the flesh from going after the things of this world that hinders our relationship with God. When the flesh wants to be greedy, we deny it and we choose generosity. When the flesh wants to be arrogant and be boastful, we deny it and we choose uh, to love, and we choose humility, we choose tolerance. When the flesh wants revenge, to hold grudge, when the flesh wants to be unforgiving, we choose love. We choose forgiveness. We choose peace. This is not easy. Temptations are all around us, but a disciplined follower of Christ will always find the strength in Christ alone to resist temptation. 
if we are to be disciplined followers of Jesus Christ this morning and to follow the guidelines he's given us, our guideline is to take up our cross daily. In the days of Jesus, the cross was a symbol of opposition, a symbol of rejection, of suffering, of death. Not an ordinary death, but shameful death. For us 21st century people, to take up the cross is to be ready for the opposition, the rejection, the suffering, the challenges that might come our way. But also it means for us uh, to be a voice for what the cross stands for. To stand up for its values, its purpose, uh, its message of love, of freedom, of justice, of inclusion, of hope, and the promise of eternal life. And so brothers and sisters, if you have found the cross this morning, I encourage you to take up what it stands for and to proclaim it. If you have found the cross this morning, I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to hang on to it, to cling on to it, because someday, sometime, we will exchange it for a crown, a beautiful crown. But if you haven't found the cross, and you haven't surrendered to the Christ who died on the cross for us, I invite you to open up your heart. And let him come in, because he wants to come and stay with you. Finally, if we are to be disciplined followers of Christ, our guideline is to follow him. A Sunday school teacher once asked his young people in the fellowship to say, he said to all the young people in the, in the meeting, I want you all to follow Jesus. And one of the boys asked him, what's his address on Twitter? Because this is where we follow people and how we follow people today. However, in this call this morning, we are called to continue to follow Jesus' examples as revealed in his word. The invitation to follow Christ is a lifelong commitment. No turning back. No going back. But the good news is that as challenging as it sounds to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him, we can successfully follow these guidelines when we stay connected to Jesus like the carriages on a train. In the words of St. Paul, we can do all these things and a lot more through Christ who strengthens us. Amen.